Hello and welcome to the latest campaign podcast. My name is Matt Barker. I'm campaign features editor. I'm joined today in the studio by creativity and culture editor Gerdit Deegan. Hello, Gerdit. Hello. And reporter Charlotte Rawlings. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. Later, I'm going to be discussing the whole Barbenheimer phenomenon with guests Yuandi Ogunkoya from Craft Media, Tom Linney from Digital Cinema Media, and Tom Guyden, who's a managing director at Joan Creative. I haven't seen either film. One of them is a highly philosophical meditation on existential crisis and personal morality, and the other one is about that geezer who invented the atomic bomb. Gerja, <laughs> um, <laughs> have, have you seen one of them? No, not yet. I am due to see Barbie uh, next week on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, wearing from pink. So Matt hasn't seen it either, and no. Gadget hasn't seen either either. No, no, yeah. So don't drop us in it, you know, like, yeah. keep some element of surprise for us. I think I know what happens in Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, I can have a, take a wild guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've seen Barbie. That's not a surprise. I saw that on Saturday, and it was the best cinema experience I've ever had because everyone was dressed up as either Barbie or Ken. Um, and then I've got my tickets. I actually got my tickets to Oppenheimer this morning, but it's been a pain to get a screening where it hasn't been absolutely rammed. Um, was a Barbie one full? Barbie was full, and it looks like Oppenheimer is full for the next like week or so. So, yeah. I wonder if that's going to happen, if it's going to suddenly like drop off after the first few weeks. I think, yeah, maybe, because everyone's just been so keen to see it, and I don't want to see any spoilers either. And it's crazy, like, if you go on social media the amount of spoilers that are out there, especially like the amount of TikToks, Matt, I know that you love talking about that, yeah. but the amount of people that getting their phones out in the middle of the cinema and filming certain <gasps> scenes. So if I did that, TikTok, I would just get people so do that. angry. Yeah. That's why I prioritise Barbie, because obviously we know what happens with Oppenheimer, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> no one's posting any Oppenheimer spoilers anyway, but loads of Barbie spoilers everywhere. Yeah. Apparently, do you know what her full name is? What? Barbie's? Barbie's got a full name. Barbara. No. Do you know Gerda? No, I don't. Is it going to be Oppenheimer joke? No, it's not. Well, (laughs) Barbie's Barbie's full name apparently is Barbie Millicent Roberts. Right, moving swiftly on. Uh, One of the big news stories this week was the rebranding even of Twitter, now known as X, uh, on the orders of Elon Musk. Uh, One of our freelancers, Ben Bold, wrote a great story about all of this, and, and he asked whether advertisers ultimately really care, uh, and then he looked at sort of industry reaction. Uh, to the move. Um, Charlotte, you've, you've read the piece. Did you enjoy yes, it? I did read the piece and it was really good. Well done, Ben. Um, and yeah, clearly a lot of people had um, quite strong opinions about it. Um, I feel like this like rebrand has come at a convenient time considering Meta's rival to Twitter. Um, threads came out recently. So I don't know, maybe he wanted to kind of put the spotlight back on Twitter after all the hype around that. Um, and to be fair, it's worked because everyone's talking about it. Yeah, no one's talking about threads at the moment. No one's they? talking yeah. about threads, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of kind of surprised that he hasn't done it sooner because like, he loves an ex. So yeah, maybe it was time that he put his stamp on it. Um, it's changing loads of things anyway, so why not the branding? So is it is it fair to say that reaction um, in and out of the industry has been fairly ho-hum? For those of, uh, those of our readers who have read Ben's piece, um, there's some... Strong comments against this. Um, Bruce Daisley, who used to work at Twitter, so he used to be the EMEA uh, vice president. He was quite quite, uh, outspoken about this. He said, it speaks to a fragile ego and an appalling instinct for branding. Um, News outlets aren't going to say, 
on X, as someone sent a tweet or uh, parped an X or whatever his legion of uh, tickheads uh, cheer loudest for, he said, uh, no, they'll say on social media, somebody posted. Um, and then there was Dino Myers Lamptey. He's the founder of the barbershop. Um, he pointed out the the X branding that Elon Musk has used is similar to a music artist called Exclider, Plexider. <laughs> I have no idea how to say this. Um, it's, uh, yeah, basically saying it's stolen from an EDM artist. And that artist um, took to Twitter to say, we've had this logo for about two years. Um, very politely say, can you please reconsider your decision? Else it would be a pain for me to change stuff. But um, I don't think Elon Musk cares, right? <laughs> it's exactly the same font and everything, isn't it? Or, yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The thing is, though, also because it's just one single letter, it must be quite easy just to like copy other people's because, like, there's not a lot you can do with the letter X, is there? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with the whole. Um, you know, are people actually going to start calling it X and like a tweet? What's that going to change to? You're going to say someone X'd something? It doesn't really. Oh, have yeah, the same I accidentally it. called it Twitter X this morning. Yeah, what what is it? Is is it what it's just X, is it X.com or is it just X? Yeah. I don't know. It reminds somebody posted on social media about, I don't know, did you guys watch Succession? And yeah. you remember Kendall's yeah. Living Plus yeah, presentation. Yeah. <laughs> big shoes, big shoes. I might be alone in this. I, I fear I am. I quite like X because I'm of a certain age and I remember that X was always in, at cinemas, talking about cinemas. Um an X film was like an 18 film. So when I was young, I couldn't get in to see them, but it because it had this kind of that oh, dangerous, sexy glamour about it, seeing this letter X oh. on a film post. It just kind of reminded me a bit of that. So um, you back the X? I, I'm kind of cautious thumbs up for the X. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you interview graphic designer and brand consultant Neville Brody? And he touched on this. Yeah, I interviewed Neville Brady last week and the, the piece is up on the site now. He had some really interesting points to make about rebranding, um, about brands are increasingly sort of moving away from long-termism and, and, and being a lot more short-term, especially when it comes to sort of rebranding themselves so it kind of fits well on social, um, so so that a logo or an icon would, would work on, and, um, on, on the app store, basically. So you mentioned about Aston Martin and Burberry. Yeah, we were talking they... a lot about kind of these these well-established, uh, just happen to be British brands, you know, lu- lu- luxury brands that, that um, have had kind of mixed results with doing that mm. over the past few years. Um, and he said, he said, I'm going to quote directly from this, brands aren't necessarily rebranding, they're debranding. Instead of the brand leading the content, the brand now is the platform for the content. It shifted quite considerably and it's very corporate. Most brands look the same. Social media platforms are the most generic of all. It's a very homogenized world we live in now. Um, which is quite a statement, really, isn't it? It's quite it a depressing quite statement. Sad, so <laughs> yeah, it does I do agree sense. with it, though, because the old Twitter branding, it, what was so great about it is that it was fun and you could kind of have a narrative with it. Um, I mean, it's been like a long time since I've created a Twitter account, but like obviously when you created it, your um, avatar would automatically be an egg because it would be a new account that's about to be hatched. Um, and then there's the birdhouse for the homepage and there's just so many like cool things that you can do with it. And now it's just X. Well, how is that going to mm. be interesting? I don't know. I see what, what he's saying, Neville saying, um, in terms of for social media, everything has to be quite clear and mm. quite simple i suppose um for it to kind of work on the platform is yeah, that what the yeah but overall 
generally, if we walk down the road and see an Aston Martin ad on a poster outdoor, I don't know, does that still happen? Um, I hope so. Uh, yes, to then see quite a boring logo, I suppose, is what is Neville saying is it's kind of it's a bit sad. Isn't yeah, it? it's all kind of been you know reduced down to to this this need to sort of um, cut through on social. And he was talking a lot about how it, it's meant the death of complexity, really. And he openly admitted, he said, I don't know how we get out of that, you know, which is, makes it's it even more... It's all social media then. Yeah. Yeah. That works for me. <laughs> uh, social media is now an X, the whole thing. Um, so before we get even more depressed, uh, also in the news this week, the Mayor of London's office made ad... Did I pronounce that correctly? Created with Ogilvy and targeted at young men uh, with challenging misogynist behaviour found itself under fire for its alleged patronising tone. Gurdjie, you've seen the ad. Would you agree that the tone of voice is a bit off on this one? Um, I like the interactive element of the ad. So they're driving people to uh, their site where you watch the ad and as soon as you see um, some misogynistic behaviour, um, comments really. Um, so there's, sorry, it's a, it's a group of, of, of young men what, uh, playing a video game and sat in a living room and just having a chat. Um, and then one man walks in and he kind of makes some misogynistic comments. Um, and the viewer is supposed to click that button, mate, in, you know, it's in place of the skip ads button that you would normally see on a YouTube ad before watching the video that you want to watch. Um, so I do like that aspect of it. Is it's different, you know, gamifying it and you're trying to appeal to younger generations. Um, but I think the acting could be better. Um, whether the tone of voice is off, I think they're right in terms of being part of the conversation in terms of, I think they're saying that it's, you know, these kind of comments or, you know, this way of thinking can uh, in turn lead to violent behavior against women and girls what they're doing there is really good but i think uh, it's a society thing isn't it mm. we need to teach men to be better people mm. and we need to bring our boys up better yeah. yeah i mean i get what some people mean when they say that it could come across as patronizing but the thing is i think it, i think it's acknowledged that this sort of thing can't just be solved by your pal going mate Definitely. Um, that's not going to be enough to change mindsets. But I think it was the interactive element was a good idea to get people engaged and it not come off as a lecture, which is probably what uh, like some people have issues, take issue with, with sometimes these um, these sort of ads. It doesn't come across as a lecture. It gets people involved. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, there are also s so many men and boys out there who don't get these like basic things about respecting women. So some people might say it comes off across as patronising, but maybe those are the people who already know better. Mm. So maybe the tone of voice is right for the sort of audience they're wanting to reach. Yeah, yeah. Um, is the word mate the right one? Surely they should just say, you shouldn't be saying that, you, you know. Yeah. I know, I know. I understand kind of with an ad, you're looking for like a, a word and it needs to be quick, mm. short, sorry. Um, but if it was my friend... Who was being, who was saying something ridiculous? I think I would say, mm, I don't think you can say that. That's quite rude. That's, mm. I would say more than yeah. mate. <laughs> I think mate kind of like encompasses like 
maybe the way they're going for it is that sense of camaraderie still and that just because you're calling out your mate for mm. well, this is this is these are the problems it's like do you even want to be mates with someone who makes these comments mm. right. but i guess it's kind of that sense of like you know you can call someone out without it being a big deal which is probably what stops some men from stepping in because they're like i don't want to cause a scene or there to be an argument or for me to appear weak in front of my friends um it's really complicated and it's hard to like strike the right balance i think with stuff like this always especially when they're trying to get down with the kids mm. they are doing they are doing a positive thing though so I yeah think exactly. Exactly. So. yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah absolutely and, and it's a tricky balancing act as we've just been mm. as we've just been discussing and um, good thanks so much charlotte thank you um it's time to dim the lights part the curtains and we're going to be talking uh barbenheimer i'm joined today by yuanda okankoya who's a managing partner at craft media Tom Linney, who's Content Business Director at Digital Cinema Media, and Tom Guyden, Managing Director at Joan Creative. Um, I've got to ask, has anyone actually seen these films? I haven't yet. No? Mm-mm. I also have. <laughs> Not true, yeah. <laughs> and I also haven't. I, I mean, I have a toddler, so the fact of going to see two movies in one weekend is from a past <laughs> life, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm booked in for IMAX next week. Oh, nice! For, for Oppenheimer and then Barbie the day after. Nice. Is, is that the big IMAX at the South Bank, or is it the uh... Uh, Cine World? Yeah, IMAX Leicester Square. Fabulous. Okay, so uh, happy listeners that there, there will be no spoiler alerts here because uh, no one's actually no one's actually seen it. Um, I wanted to talk about basically the way brands have been behaving around this, but but also um, sort of pick out a few kind of uh, on ongoing um, interesting kind of. Um, patterns that have been emerging, I guess. Um, so Tom Lina, if I could, could possibly start with you. I mean, advertisers have been, it, it's kind of hit us recently, all this, hasn't it? But it's been going on for quite a few months, hasn't it? Advertisers have been quite prepared for this, I guess, pretty much since the start of the year, basically, haven't they? Yeah, well, we realised that something quite special was happening because we sold all three premium spots in Barbie before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So the week before the first trailer came out, the first trailer came out, I think, and was running with Avatar The Way of Water, which came out uh, on the 16th of December. And we sold all three of our premium spots the week before that. And that very rarely happens. In fact, I can't even recall when that last happened, apart from maybe for a James Bond film. So uh, advertiser interest in this film was high from the get-go. And also, I think that, that... advertisers realized that something you know unique was happening with this with barbie particularly and then as we got closer to release date uh, obviously a lot of a lot of people in the industry were expecting one of the two f- films to move release date you know even up to a few months out but when it became clear that they were both staying put and then barbenheimer itself was co- coined i think uh, interest and excitement just ramped up even further it is fascinating what's been happening because it, it, it you, you know the whole barbenheimer phenomenon has, has basically been created via social media hasn't it but i think probably both both parties of, of, of sort of both both film production companies or, or the distributors have, have kind of embraced it readily haven't they um tom Tom Guyton. Sorry, yeah. it's going to be confusing with the two Toms, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it sort of started from meme culture. Uh, this idea of Barbenheimer started on social media. And I think, um, I think to Tom, the other Tom's point, I think people sort of expected everyone to move one of the, the films. But I think what happened was this beautiful sort of magic where um, production companies sort of leaned in. And I think advertisers did as well. And they sort of said, you know, if, if this is what the people want, let's give it to them. So I think... 
you know, people sort of leaned in a little bit further. And I think what was lovely is it was it was an authentic thing because it was created by the people. Um, so to sort of lean in and give them a bit more and to really focus on that and that story of these two films and, and not only competing, but sort of creating this weird film community um, and celebrating that they were on the same day became something special. Mm. It, it's been fascinating, isn't it, you wonder, because it basically it feels very clever. It kind of taps into this online fan culture and it all feels quite conceptual, dare I say it. You know, especially when you look at Barbie with the merchandising, because as far as I'm aware, there's not been a lot of Oppenheimer merchandising done just <laughs> yet. But, um, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the house on Airbnb and, and the, the, I think it's the Krispy Kreme donuts, isn't it? And stuff like that. It, it, there's something clever about it, isn't there? Definitely. And I think, you know, you've got to give it to the Barbie marketing team because Barbie as a film, I think, was always going to do well. And Tom just saying how well it sold, uh, the gold spots sold even that far out. So it was already going to be a successful film. But what I think they did so well was to turn kind of the marketing model on its head. We talk about like 70, 20, 10 in terms of how you tend to execute 70 being tried and tested, 20 being 20% being a bit of innovation within a known format and 10 being innovative. And I think what they did is they flipped it. I feel like the the partnerships and the merchandising has been the thing that's been so special about the release. And I think that's what's really kind of embedded it in culture. Because you said it, Xboxes right through to like Airbnb. So it's not even the conventional hair and beauty and fashion partnerships you expect to see. I think it's that that's made it unmissable because I we had to seek out the trailer mm. almost even, but mm. it's the other stuff that's become so unmissable. I think that's then fueled the meme culture. So I really give it to them to turning that on its head and really creating a, a fantastic and commercially successful <laughs> a model for um, promoting a film. Do you think it'll be a template? For, for things that sort of come? Or? You know, I think these types of things take great amounts of commitment and a lot of hard work. This would have been years in the making in terms of securing those deals, look and feel. So I feel like it's definitely going to inspire people. It's those that actually have the the commitment, mm-hmm. I think, and, and the guts to um, to see it through. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Tom Lilly, do, do you feel, you mentioned Oppenheimer then, and, and obviously we're kind of skewing a bit Barbie-esque here. Do, do, do you feel a bit kind of, Sorry <laughs> for, for for the guys behind Oppenheimer because basically they're always going to be the second half of this this sort of you know this, this phenomenon that's happening. It's it's a very serious film. It's it's a very well received film and and you know possibly an, an Oscar um, contender. But will will history sort of look back on this in in ten years time, twenty years time, and think okay, yeah, that that's that was one half of Barbenheimer. Absolutely not. I think that the Universal will be absolutely delighted. I mean, for the last few months. It's rare that Oppenheimer hasn't been spoken about in the same sentence as Barbie. And that is, they're riding on the coattails of Barbie, clearly. And what we're seeing is huge box office numbers and huge admissions for Oppenheimer. This is a summer blockbuster. And traditionally, a, a historical drama wouldn't generally come out in the middle of summer. And I think at the moment, from its first five days, it's on track to be one of Christopher Nolan's biggest films in the UK, if not his biggest. And I think that's just a remarkable achievement. And that's, um, and a large part of that is because of its association with Barbie. So, I, no, I wouldn't feel sorry for them at all, and I'm sure they're reveling in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other Tom, you, you agree with that? Oh, completely, yeah. I, I think Oppenheimer has really benefited from sort of being linked to Barbie in this way, and I think um, it it is a it is a beautiful film and i well I've, i haven't seen it but i've heard amazing <laughs> things and i think um i think it is it is 100% benefiting from this partnership and um and so i think they're probably loving it 
Yeah. I think they're both benefiting hugely from the partnership. <laughs> exactly. True. Completely. Yeah. And I, I think that what's just so unique about the two of them is they both speak to something so universal. Like we all know the story of Oppenheimer and it's something that, you know, affected and uh, humanity and that kind of the scientific development. And then Barbie, I, I don't say this lightly. She is a cultural icon. Like I wanted to play with Barbies growing up. My mum never bought them for me. My children love to play with Barbie. So that's a property that spans generations. So you have these two kind of universal properties, but that are so, there's a tension there. They're so different. One is about mass destruction. One is just pure joy, albeit with more serious undertones. But I just think it's, that's, it's not just two big films. It's two big films that are kind of have universal appeal and then are the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of like how they are delivered. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what just makes this such a unique moment. And is, is there something deeper going on here as well, perhaps in sort of wider social circles, you know, but maybe it's part of an ongoing a post-COVID need to share experiences again? You know, I thought about this a lot and I, I thought like if it was just post-COVID, I feel like other big films might have received attention. I, I do think that we are we are coming out of this now. I do think it's just the fact that it's an original story, Barbie. You know, we've had all the Marvel extensions. We're like on Fast and Furious number 25 or something. But now this is something that it, it's, it's brand new in mm. terms of the story. And, you know, even against that backdrop of the writer's strike, which I think mm. we were discussing, I just think it's it's brand new, but then it's something that has massive nostalgic um, undertones to it as well. So... I do think the excitement, if we can get enough um, great kind of stories being told in cinema, I do think this has been a really special moment for people going out, especially joint viewing. We have people going in droves to see these films together. Yeah. I mean, Tom Garden, are, are you sort of confident that this could sort of um, sort of prompt a bit of a, a revival? Because I mean, it, it's, it's great to be sitting here talking about cinema. It's, it's kind of an unexpected treat, really. But mm -hmm. These two films aside, it's been quite an underwhelming summer, hasn't it? Yeah, and I, I think I think it's exactly what we were just sort of talking about. I think it's the revival of original stories is this lovely piece, and I think you know we're tired of the the seventh episode of of Thor and all of those, and I think this is a lovely new but again nostalgic piece of storytelling. And I mean, it also is the the this it's told beautifully. It's great spectacular directors, amazing ensemble cast. I think it's lovely to sort of see these original stories with these names um, and, and people that we are all look and love to, to see the next things that they're, they're bringing to the screen. So I, I think that I, my hope is that we will continue, this will encourage us to continue to see more original stories um, and not be so reliant on, on sort of sequels, mm -hmm. because I think that's, that's the most beautiful part of this. Tom, you, you were nodding there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the most exciting things about this whole moment that we're in at the moment is that both these films have been incredibly well received, you know, and these are two of the best filmmakers in the world making original stories. And it seems to be their vision on screen. And I think the public have embraced that. And I think hopefully the studios will see from this that if you empower brilliant filmmakers uh, and give them the tools to put their stories on screen, the public want to see that. And uh, hopefully that's what we'll get from that. And I think we've got some really exciting films still to come between now and the end of the year but what happens i mean you Amanda mentioned there about about the writer strike obviously there's an actor strike on as well i mean what what are the potential effects for that sort of going into the end of the year i mean from my perspective i i think it's a it's a concern and it's a worry i think this is probably the the last big push that we will see from a from a press and and i think 
as much as we like to pretend it, it doesn't sort of lead people to to drive and go see films, I think that there is a reality that promoting films is an important part of this process. And I think when you lose the ability for celebrities and actors to go and talk about why they made the film and the things that they love about the film and, and in places like talk shows and, and all of that, I think we are going to see that reflected in some of the uh, attendance numbers. So I think it is a worry and hope that the, we, and the hope is that the strikes will be clarified and, and, and solved soon so that we can continue to promote films moving forward. I agree. And I just think that it comes back to, I know, um, I think the, the press tours are in a very, very important part of promoting films, but like going back to Barbie in particular, so much of the promotion that's been so successful hasn't been the stuff you pay for. Mm. You know, I feel like mm. it's, if I, I hypothesize, if you take the amount of money and effort they put into that wider marketing piece, like partnerships, and you just throw it all into just pure advertising, I don't think this would have been as big as it has been. So it's that power of owned and earned media and that's what you get from seeing the personalities on tour and with such a great cast not having that I think would have affected the lead up and then the subsequent excitement that's been built up for these films yeah Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the Barbie is it's a masterclass in, in sort of promotion. And I think you have everything from, you know, the film actors, what they wear to the premieres. And they did a global premiere in all of the major cities. Um, you then add that a, a massive soundtrack with people like Dua Lipa, Lizzo, you know, all of the big names of the of the year sort of re- releasing songs every couple of weeks. So it really is a masterclass in sort of keeping people, particularly in social media, completely attuned to what's coming next. And I guess it's, it's about the experience as much as anything else, isn't it? So you've got the, the barbecue, as it's, as it's now getting called, and, and everyone's in there in there. <laughs> They're pink. You and is sitting here, and and, and uh, she's she's <laughs> she's all dressed up for the occasion as well, and, and I guess that becomes very kind of you know Instagrammable or, or or whatever it is. So it's 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 an interesting way that kind of old media is tapping into sort of social in 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 an interesting way, isn't it? This 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 does feel like quite a moment actually. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it, it's a continuation of a moment from my perspective. I think we've sort of seen this happen, particularly in like television over the past couple of years. You look at like White Lotus, which became an in, entirely water cooler moment where people were sort of talking about and memeing different scenes that happened. The end of Succession this past uh, this past summer, that has been a huge moment where people were talking about what was happening in the final season and all of those things. So I, I think what's lovely is that we are starting to see you know, when people aren't in the office as much and aren't able to talk at water coolers, they're doing, they're still having those conversations. They're just doing it on social. Um, and I think it's further driving that conversation in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is a continuation of something that we saw last summer as well with the gentle minions movement, where minions capitalized on the fact that a lot of y- young people on TikTok were, I mean, I didn't fully understand the movement because I'm well out of that demographic, <laughs> but uh, they're the universal and exhibitors were very happy to, um, uh, you know, capitalize on that and it, it took a life of its own outside of the film's promotion and um, I think studios are probably thinking very hard at the moment about how they can leverage that in for future films as well. I was going to ask you about that and particularly Wendy because you mentioned about how this is this is kind of a model potentially a, a, a template how do we see things sort of because the fact is you know Barbie 2 will probably come out and it won't oh, yes. be quite such a big and then there'll be a Barbie 7 or something. Um, but how do you see it sort of developing with other newer newer franchises? I do think that we do need to think beyond like the tried and tre- tested way we roll out films or entertainment properties because I just think that there's so much more at, um, 
a marketer's disposal. And also I think that there's so much competition for content mm -hmm. being released. Like we know, we know the playbook, the buses, you know, the trailers, the cut downs. So I think that people, marketers really need to think about how they intercept culture. And I think Barbie's done it like in the biggest, broadest way. I don't think every film might have the license to be as broad, but I think it's about talking, thinking about who you're speaking to and then how to intersect them mm -hmm. in culture. And I think that's what Barbie's done fantastically. So I just do think that marketers need to, and it happens sometimes, but go beyond just the the reach and go for the notice and think about who it is that you're trying to speak to and how you can intersect culture. Because that's the stuff, as opposed to trying to interrupt people, intersecting culture is the things that people sit up and they look at. And as we've seen, then they'll take and run and do the promotion for you. So I think that's the real lesson here. Yeah. Do you think... Um potentially looking at a place where, you know, looking at the Oppenheimer side of, of, of the equation, um, I mean, someone like Martin Scorsese, you know, he, he puts the Irishman out on, on Netflix. Looking at this now, would you think, well, there's, there's life in the old dog yet, that, that maybe, you know, it, it should have gone, had a, had a proper cinematic release. There, there could have been a lot of, there could have been some 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 sort of social around it. There, there could have been a, a, a buzz created that way. Do you think it's it's not just the sort of the Barbies of this world, but it, it could be the Oppenheimers just as much that are going to be taking advantage of all of this? Well, it's worth mentioning, you've mentioned Martin Scorsese. His, obviously, his last film, The Irishman, was a Netflix title. He's making his next film, The Killers of the Flower Moon, with a streaming platform in Apple. But as part of his deal with that, he's insisting it gets a cinematic release. Mm. It's already premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May. It's coming out at the moment on October the 20th. And uh, he's partnered with Paramount on that. And Paramount have obviously had a great success over the last year with the films on the big screen, including things like Top Gun Maverick. So I'm really excited to see what Scorsese and um, the Paramount team produce when promoting this film, because it's trailering with Oppenheimer. So everyone who's been to see Oppenheimer will have hopefully seen the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer. And I think the trailer is really knockout as well. It looks like one, uh, if you've if you followed the Cannes premiere, it's one of the best films of the year already and will probably be very heavily in the Oscars conversation come Q1 next year. Tom, anything you wanted to add to that? Oh, no. I, I mean, I think Tom hit it all. I think it will. I think they will continue to to push for um, more, you know, theatrical releases, because I think people do want to see things at the theater and they want the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Thanks so much, everybody. And, and really sort of fascinating chat. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to go and buy some popcorn now. So I'm getting quite <laughs> into it. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and our producer Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. And to you for listening, I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of all of the campaign team, goodbye. Goodbye.